gonna discuss a lot of movies this week on Better Buddies. Hello and welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host RJ. With us this week, we've got James. Hello. And D-pad. What? Your symbol looks like a D-pad. It's the logical operator. It looks like a directional pad on a controller. So your D-pad it's now. Dots. Mmm. James, back me up on this one. <laughs> Let me see. What does it look like? Um. That's, yeah, it, it. I think it's logical. Maybe it's not. It, it just looks like it looks. It reminds me of like a little uh, pixel star almost. It looks like, like a directional control. Y'all have horrible vision and monitors. Is not my problem. Hey, you're the one with glasses, man. Ooh, sick burn. Your eyes no work good. Apparently, they work better than yours. I have glasses How too. You know so even glasses. <laughs> <laughs> you, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to go off my my God given natural sight and say it just I don't know. It does look like dots, but they also look like they look like little squares. They look like they don't look round. Well, it's like they're made out of pixels that hmm? are squares. So they can they be dots then, or dots yes. circular? Yeah, sure. Why not? Square dot. Circular. Circle a dot. Oh, hold on. I think the question is, can be a dot? Can be a? Can a dot be a square? Would be your question. Dots have to be circular. Well, we often think of dots as circular in nature. They don't have to be. Interesting. Ha. So that's yeah. You're technically you're you're correct. Can a square be a dot? No, square is a square. Give me, give me some math shit. <laughs> That's what you oh, get for asking a question. <laughs> I don't want any math. I don't want it. All right. Our Better Buddies icebreaker this week is not, not right. is a dot a square or a square a dot. It's what fantasy apocalypse are you most prepared for? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> oh, most most prepared for. Yeah. Um, is this like are we're like envisioning like the one where we're the most successful? Yeah. What one would you survive the longest in? What are your best um, odds? Probably none of them. I'd probably die pretty fast. I don't know. Yeah. I... I, I can handle to, everything minus the food, gener- like getting food. I, I, that one I would struggle with. If I couldn't, if I couldn't like scrounge or like find food, then I'm screwed. Everything else, I feel like I could handle. I feel like you got a pretty good window on finding food, though. Like your body can go quite a while. Yeah, True. there's a point where it's like you might still be able to survive without food but the chances of you being able to actually successfully catch it or find it yeah you you get your you'll still be alive after a point but you won't be able to like operate and then there's like a point of no return 
where unless someone else intervenes, I don't think you're going to be able to find food to continue. But that's still at least like I two mean, weeks out. That's true. Yeah, you've got okay, maybe a week and a half. Yeah, you've got probably like a good three to four. I'm telling you right now, like my my brother fasted for five days once, and oh by God. day, it's just a by, bad idea. By day four, he was spending most of his time on the couch. By day five, he was like basically delusional. So you have got probably maybe three days to find food. Um, but and that's then also you assuming you start with zero food. So if you like ration yourself out. That's very true. That's very true. Assuming that you don't already have a stockpile of food. But the problem is, is that like not a lot of our foods, like if climate control systems go down, like we don't. Well, you I mean, we got food cans. first. Well, yeah, yeah, we got cans and shit, but like after the the stuff that's actually quote unquote like replenishable has to be, you know, obviously tied to the cycle of the seasons, and because like most most towns don't have like a self-sufficient field mm-hmm. you'd probably be kind of fucked because eventually your people are going to run out of cans <laughs> <laughs> and that's well, when you f- that's... find your nearest farmer who needs this additional labor when the oil supply is low and he still needs that field to like hoed and you get down your hands and feet and work yeah but if this is a real apocalypse like that farmer's field is probably like it's like a lot oh, yeah, of destroyed, I mean, a lot but well, destroyed in their one crop. Like, they're not... Gro- like, they might be growing a shit ton of corn, but it's just corn. Like, you, but you can you can't, trade with other I mean, people for their soybeans. This is this is fair. Then I guess you have two crops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, what are you going to do with your corn and soybeans? Just switch over to potatoes. Go full it's, Irish I mean, on it. Technically, I feel like you could probably get pretty far with just soy. But, like, I wouldn't know how to process the said soy. <laughs> I honestly I think the one I'm probably the most prepared for is anything like theological in nature like we're talking demons angels all that kind of stuff is there anything oh. you can really prepare for that because you're kind of either ra- we're going back to our rapture discussion of either you're raptured or you're not and well, like at that <laughs> point there's not much that you can really do anymore I mean that combined with like Maybe supernatural is the better one. Like the, the the mystical stuff is the stuff I have the most base knowledge on, and would be the most easily like best to prepare for, compared to say alien invasion or like biohazard or zombies. I was about to say what about zombies? Zombies is the worst yeah. one. Like, sorry, hands down. Particularly Walking Dead zombification. <laughs> like, fuck that shit. Because they're screwed no matter what. I always go to World War Z. The book, not the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, in World War Z, do they zombify even if they just die of natural causes? No, and I know okay. that's the thing in Walking Dead is yeah. technically everyone's infected, and then it's just you die if you get bit because the human mouth is disgusting. Uh, I don't know if that's spoilers or not for Walking Dead. But, eh, the, the finale's <laughs> been out for forever in the comics, and they that never address in the comics people just dying in their sleep. So, like, the comics end with this nice, like, human civilization has rebuilt and they refer to the apocalypse as the troubles and the there's a generation of people who never experienced the apocalypse and only know this idyllic rebuild of society and rick grimes kid uh, what's his no carl carl grimes is the crazy old man still killing zombies but even he has no cognizance of like oh wait 
If I die in my sleep, I become a zombie and just start the whole thing all over again. Unless they cured it. They didn't. Do you know that? Yes. Oh. Well, they, then maybe that's like... Cure. Maybe that's what they're supposed to leave you on, is the idea that this is about to all repeat again and again forever. That, that, that's an interesting idea, because there's a... Uh, um, if we're talking about apocalypses, there is, um, like, in one of the platonic dialogues, I'm not even kidding, it's the one that has the discussion of Atlantis yeah. in it. Um, there's a story that, uh, like, it's, like, Socrates and a couple other guys, like, walking with him. They they have this whole talk about, like, the nature of the universe or whatever. But they start out the conversation, like, with one guy talking about a story that his grandfather told. His grandfather, um, who's this old Greek dude, went over to Egypt and he was like talking with this really old Egyptian priest um, was basically like, yeah, Athens has done this and this and this. And like, we're really proud of like our civilization, our civilization and our culture. And the priest just kind of like laughed at him and was like, oh, my God, like you guys have no idea, like compared to what we know. And he wasn't even talking about like Egypt, but he was talking about this specific like cast of priests. He was like, like, you're basically children. Like, and he basically goes on to describe how. Uh, in this old Egyptian priest's conception, um, there have been like multiple cataclysms, like major mass cataclysms over the entire history of the world. Um, and it's usually either something to do with fire, uh, which is where like the story of Helios, like the mm. chariot getting too close to the earth comes from, or they have something to do with water where uh, like there's a flood. And every single time, like, most civilizations on the planet or certain ones seem to be getting to a certain point. One of these cataclysms happens and it just like wipes everything back to square one. But like supposedly heavy air quotes, according to the P like the words of the dialogue, there's like basically a group of people who have been like keeping a certain level of like human knowledge, like alive, um, which is why they build things like these monuments and stuff like that to keep it like, preserved and he basically tells this really old greek dude like you have like no clue like you guys have basically reset like over and over and over again and we've always been around i mean i want to be that guy <laughs> you could argue <laughs> I, I think there, i don't know how like intense of a case you make for it but like we had the height of the greek philosophers greek and roman philosophers like their whole thing and then dark ages and then the renaissance and then help me with my european history here what came after the renaissance you would have like um that would be probably like after the renaissance you get into stuff like the printing press you get into stuff like the english civil war then you the get age into, of reason the age of yeah, reason so more growth the yep and then napoleon Yep, then it would be, like, the collapse of monarchies and the rise of people like Napoleon, and... Uh, hmm, those, like, are, those are pretty bad times. And then, next is Industrial Revolution? Napoleon's yeah. right around the Industrial Revolution. Yeah, yes. so Napoleon's more jumps. When's, when's Industrial Revolution really kick off? Uh, uh, in the, in the mid, I thought it was in the mid later... Mid-18. Mid-late-18. Mid-to-late. Like, later 1800s, like, because it's, like, 1780 or something like that, to, like... Wait, 1780s? No, 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 that's because that's not, like. I thought because that's, that's like steam train. No, but there's no like, steam trains. <laughs> in. Oh, oh wow. 
So w Wikipedia lists Industrial Pretty Revolution in a period from a, about 1760 to between 1820, 1840. Huh. Okay. Interesting. That's, so that sorry. is 100% okay. around um, American Napoleon. Revolution. Yeah, that mm -hmm. too, but Napoleon, because he's 1800 1815. Huh. When's the Anyways, first and then engine? we get to World War One. That's bad. We reset. And then we grow again, and except we don't because it's Great Depression. And then World War Two, and that's more bad. And then Cold War, we grow, and we learn new things. And now we're here. On the and brink of World here. War Five. Yeah. <laughs> no, you do wonder, like, um, you wonder... It, like there's definitely a fascination in human beings with like um like modern psych uh, psych psychoan psychoanalysis would call it like an obsession with the death drive or whatever but there is definitely an obsession with like the idea of the end of the world i don't know well, i think i would like so yeah no i mean yeah because it's like i i think you can make the case it's like we're afraid of our own mortality we project that obviously onto like a larger scale of like um fearing for like a cataclysm that's ultimately like out of our control that like wipes out everybody but you do have to some of that stuff is interesting have you guys heard of um like really deep like super tinfoil uh hat conspiracy uh, theory that like one? the uh yeah there's like there's there's one that i've heard and it's it it's it comes and it goes um it's basically one that's used as almost like a linchpin um, key for like basically most every conspiracy theory. And uh, the idea behind it is that uh, the, the quote unquote, I'm doing heavy, heavier quotes here. The quote unquote, like global elite, what their real plan is, is to basically successively ramp up tension across the planet for like a certain number of years and then at the breaking point, fake um, either an alien invasion or alien contact. Oh, my God. Um, or some kind of, like, either extraterrestrial or supernatural event, which will then, like, basically force everyone to unify James, around a common theme. James, and it's not a conspiracy that. theory. That's just the plot of Watchmen. Oh, fuck. I was talking to somebody else at work and they said the check <laughs> It's just the plot I'm of so Watchmen. <laughs> yeah, no, but but it is like, it, I'm not even kidding. It is like, it's like a, it's, uh, there's one, uh, there's a term I saw for it. They call it like Project Bluebeam. That, and that's not like an official thing. That's just like Literally. A, like, Ozymandias' yeah. plan in Watchmen is he gathers up a bunch of artists and filmmakers and like technical experts. They build him a monster. He kills them all off on the island so they can't tell anyone. And at the height of the Cold War, he drops this alien, fake alien, into Manhattan to scare Russia and America into teaming up to fight the aliens. What's his like motivation? What's his motivation? Like, why does he world do peace. that? So he genuinely wants world peace. Osmandius like he... genuinely wants world peace. The problem is he is smart. He's smart enough to like see how to go right. But yeah. he plan. He's like a. He's almost Batman level plan for everything. And because Dr. Manhattan is omniscient, omnipotent, he knows, he can, he's already seen that it works, so he doesn't do anything to interfere. Except, there's one problem in the cards. Because Owlman, or whatever, I don't remember his hero name, and Silk Spectre, they're easily enough persuaded that, like, oh yeah, this is, this is a, this is a bad plan, it's hurting a lot of people, 
but we'll ultimately shut down the Cold War. We don't like it, but we'll go along with it. Rorschach is too black and white. He can't operate in the gray. And so that's why, that's like part of his whole culmination as a vigilante is the, he's standing outside Ozymandias' Arctic base about to go back to society to tell them what happened and tells Dr. Manhattan to kill him because he knows, he knows Ozymandias is right, but he can't admit it and he can't stop himself. But isn't that, that's somewhat, um, that's interesting because in, in a way that's like a, an, an allegiance like totally to like the truth, right? Like yeah. the idea being that like you couldn't actually, nothing, I mean, again, I, I, the ideal argument would be like nothing truly good can come from like lie like like withholding something for like true well, like, that's the cliffhanger they actually leave the the story on is that Rorschach has sent his journals into a uh newspaper and it's literally the newspaper has like this pile of stuff that like people have sent in or whatever and the editor of the newspaper is like yeah we need to run something on this back page pick something and the guy picks up the journal interesting okay implying that like rorschach's story is about to be told whether anyone believes it or not is another story but yeah i dig all that kind of like because i i do like al moore is very creative there was there is like a very well-known like conspiracy document like a very large book that was written by a guy who was probably like kind of nutso but just fast like a fascinating read i've only read a little bit of it but he (laughs) In this book, he talks about, like, that idea that that's what's, like, the quote-unquote, like, final, the final plan, um, which, like... That's kind of a bad final know. plan. What do you do after that plan is over? Like, okay, we faked our alien contact, we teamed the world up to fight the aliens, we're gonna explore the cosmos to beat the shit up out of some aliens, and now what? What do we do now? What's our next plan, guys? Like, well, there is no next plan. That was our final plan. <laughs> that was plan Z. <laughs> um, we just sit back and no, let, I... the, let the peons chase fake aliens up into space forever? Yeah, yes. We can't plan anything else. That was our final plan. Yeah, We're not allowed to make it. any new plans. No, like, I don't know. I think that type of shit is, like, it's so, um, you get into, like, the like into all these descending levels, and it's like, I don't like none of it makes sense because it's like I think I've said it before, but one of the funniest things about people who get like and, and obviously like I love conspiracy theories because I like them as like stories. I think they're like yeah. fascinating. Um, but uh, what I do find really really funny is that a lot of these people who get like super into conspiracy theories are very much like, um, like well, you can't trust any source of information. Like, how do you know it's properly been vetted? <laughs> Then they go through all these documents, and it's like... How can you trust oh, these documents? The, it's like, this is the real shit. And it's like, <laughs> motherfucker, but why would the... Like, if the CIA was really doing shit, they didn't want you to find... Like, do you think it would be online? Like, you, what <laughs> yeah. are you doing, dude? If anything, you're falling victim to just a different PSYOP. I will always maintain dude. that my favorite conspiracy theory story ever... Not theory, but story about people who believe in them is Flat Earthers... Some So some, like, people who debunk conspiracy theories talk to some flat earthers like, hey, you know what? You're willing to listen to us. We're willing to have these conversations. Why don't you set up an experiment? We'll work with you to, like, 
Make sure you're involved in the process as we put together this experiment to prove the Earth is not flat, to prove that it has curvature. You'll be there every step of the way. You can point out any flaws you might see, anything you want us to change. We'll work with you on it. So they go out to this lake in California, massive, massive lake, that it's big enough to see across, but also just big enough to demonstrate curvature. Not a lot, but enough. And they spend all day trying to get this set up and with lights and things and like signaling people across the lake and it's not working, it's not working. And then one of them, bend, one of the like debunkers bends down to fix something on the ground and realizes, oh, if you just like crouch down, you can see the change in curvature because there's a, like a light on the dock at the other side of the lake. So if you just crouch down, the, lo- the light disappears because of the curvature of the earth. And they showed, and, like, everybody else was like, oh, yeah, uh-huh, we see it, we don't believe it. And so the, yeah, but- the Flat Earthers were just like, no, 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 there's a, this reason. We make up this, like, no, we'll figure out this, no. And it's just like, okay, dude, we tried. This is exactly yeah, there- the experiment you set up, we tried. <laughs> yeah, there was something like that at the end of the Netflix documentary for Under the Dome which is like the flat earther one where they just followed a team of flat earthers who were trying to prove it. And they didn't interact in any way. It was completely set up by the flat earthers and they had this whole laser thing set up. And it was like the flattest part of the U S I think it was also in California. It was like by this canal and like they shined, a, they were shining a laser and they just like couldn't get it to show up. Couldn't get it to show up. Cause they were trying to prove that if you shined it straight, then it would just, it would be at the same height like a mile down the way, um, which would prove that it was flat and there was no curvature. Um, so they're like, they couldn't get it to show up, couldn't get it to show up. And then that this is how like the end of the documentary. And uh, then one of the guys like raises up because they're trying to hit this like board. And the well, this one guy raises the board up because if it's the earth is curved, then the, the, the laser should be going up because of the curvature. And then the laser shows up and they're just like, huh. And then they just cut, and that's how the documentary ends. But then in the credits, you hear the flat earthers being like talking about like, oh, well, no, actually, like the reason it wasn't working is because it, like someone pointed out later is that there were reeds and there were reeds in the way. And that was what was, and they just start trying to come up with all of these excuses to justify Yikes. their own viewpoint as opposed to. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie, like, for the longest time, I really didn't get, like, either side of the flat. Because to, to me, it's okay, like... Okay, hang on, I stop for a moment. What do you mean you don't get either side? What I mean is, like, it, to me, like, it, it's like, think of me like a cat. Like, I don't care how my surroundings got here. I'm just happy to be here. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, it, uh, to me, whatever the shape of the world is, I like, I, I don't fucking care. It... it who cares? However, what I will say, what I will say, because um, I think it was I was watching a video recently, like literally just like an hour ago, and it was a video of this guy reacting to a bunch of people for that uh, that Lion King movie that came out like in 2019, where they did like hyper realistic yeah. like CGI or whatever, and they showed a video from that one uh, React channel, like Fine Bros thing, okay, and. Or basically, like, there's a question, because it's a bunch of, like, late teens and early to mid-20 or 30-year-olds. Um, just, like, basic, like, like you know, young person internet types. And 
there was a question round at the end of like all these kids like reacting to the trailer to the Lion King where they're like, Oh my god, Pride Rock and oh my god, I love Disney and blah blah blah. And like they have a question, like, is this live action or is this animation? And like literally almost everyone, I think, except two people out of like nine answered that it was live action. What? Um, I know. I I agree that that's dumb, but I think to their credit, it was marketed as a live action. True. But it's it's clear. Which I thought was dumb. No. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) has anyone else seen the Rescue Rangers ad with the Pumbaa from the live action Lion King? See, RJ just did it. Okay, yeah, see? The see? That, the, the, <laughs> everyone refers like, to it as the live-action Lion King, but it's not. <laughs> it's not. And, like, the the thing was, is the guy, like, the the uh, guy who was, like, you know, commenting on this, he was like, it's animation. It's literally <laughs> animation. That's what it, like, it's an undeniable fact. Did, did they like, use I mean, any, like, photo scans and stuff, though, for the environments? Like, um, does any of the envi- did any of the environments exist that they then like created? I use motion capture. They used motion capture, and I do believe they had like some photorealistic stuff. Yeah, on I don't know fully process, but like I think I they did like- use some photo capture because they used similar technology for the Mandalorian. Like that was the technology they used to do the Mandalorian sets. Was the stuff they developed for that movie. I would I would still make the case that at least the characters themselves are animated yeah. characters yes. and like like because there were some people who were like you know uh, like their their rationale was like well it looks so real so it's that makes it live action and like mm, there's a no. part of my brain where I'm like that is like a really slippery fucking slope so it's I fake is like, live just, action confirmed. <laughs> As, like, tenuous of a connection as this may be, like, I kind of understand now the the outrage where it's like, no, like, this is clearly demonstrable. Like, we can set up, I can show you criteria that is, like, this is why this is a certain way. Like, this is just what it is. Um, And it would suck to have a group of people be like, well, yeah, but, like, maybe. Because it's like, no, there's no maybe. There's no maybe. (laughs) Like, it's just... (laughs) It is this way. It is like we agree. Like the field that we're in is all about investigating like potentials and possibilities and like things in the natural world. Um, very rarely do we come across any like truly concrete fundamental answers. That's just the nature of the beast. However, this is one of the rare, simple examples where, for like hundreds of years, this has been like. People with fucking like compasses. Galileo and like Newton. 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 Yeah, Newton. 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 And uh, what was the astronomer who got jailed by the Catholic Church for claiming the Earth was round? Galileo. Galileo. Did I say him already? Yeah. Uh, Well, there we go. You got it. Galileo knew that shit. So, like, if he could do it with math. I mean, there was a Greek mathematician that, like, predicted the size of the earth like ridiculously close so yeah oh yeah no a lot of it's funny how like a lot of those ancient greek dudes were like um i guess it's not really too much of a stretch i can't remember who it was it might have been parmenides or might have been like an axagoras but one of them was like 
I think everything is actually made up of little littler bits of everything. <laughs> <laughs> to be yeah. fair, though, I feel like a lot of them were just kind of throwing things around, and everyone else was like, "Oh yeah," <laughs> or no. <laughs> No, that's fair, because, like, another one would be like, that's fucking stupid. Everything is clearly made out of water. <laughs> <laughs> there are only four elements. It's just, it's funny how, like, like even so far back then, like, the earliest, like, you could, I mean, they called them natural philosophers, but they are scientists, like, the earliest one. Like, the beginnings in, of scientists. Yeah. Beginnings. It's like, it's not sciences in, like, perhaps like the empirical method but it's like the ideological like they poked at stuff to see what worked yeah yeah that's science exactly. though that's... did they write it down yes then it's science yeah oh yeah investigating the natural reality finding out what's what about the material world that's science baby it's, uh... <laughs> sorry i'm just i'm yeah. just imagining like some dude rolls up in his convertible leather jacket shades on Tips him down a little bit and says, that's science, baby. And he tears him off. <laughs> in ancient Greece, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Time to the... Like, wow. wow. I guess his theory was right. <laughs> well, and then the two ladies look at you like, what language was that? <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a minute. In Greek. Yeah. <laughs> Our next oh, segment. Because I think we've gone like 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Better Buddies Recommend, where we recommend a piece of media to enjoy. Ooh. Who would like to start? I, I can go. Go for it. Oh, shit. I actually okay. have stuff this <gasps> week. So stuff. I technically have two. <gasps> um, one sec. I'm just pulling up. Audible gasp. That is one... We'll figure that out in a second. Uh, so the first one that I'm, I'm going to recommend, um, I'm going to do too quick because the first one here I don't want to talk about too much, is I saw the film yesterday. I saw Everything Everywhere All at Once. And it's an amazing film. I freaking loved it. It's... I, 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 I had seen, like, one trailer, like, back in the fall, I think... Um, and I've been looking forward to seeing it and it finally was in a theater near me. So I went and saw it and yeah, I would highly recommend, I don't want to talk too much about it because I, I truly think the less, you know, the better it will be. Um, because it relies on a lot of like absurdist humor kind of stuff for gags, which is typically not my thing. I'm not a huge fan of absurdism. But I think the film walks a really good line of just enough to be entertaining. Um, and like it did it never lost me. So I, I thought it was really good. Um, I think it's some interesting messaging to it. Uh, the acting uh, by Michelle Yeoh, um, by the other main cast, um, was phenomenal. Uh, the editing and the story and just the cinematography, I thought everything was just fantastic. Uh, it's probably not for everyone. It's a little out there, um, especially with some of the absurdist stuff that it gets into, but I, I would recommend, and like I said, I would also recommend trying to go into it as blind as possible. Um, but for 
basic, a very rough overview of what it is, is it's basically about Michelle Yeoh's character and there's some like interdimensional stuff that happens and basically it's, yeah, I, I, I can't really explain it without ruining a lot of it. So I think that's about all I would probably say about it. Cool. Have um have either of you seen it? No, I've heard really? my my sister went. Down. You've seen it, James? Oh, my sister went and saw it. I have wanted to actually see it uh, for a while now. I was going to go and see it, and then I fell asleep <laughs> <laughs> for uh, my showing. So, um, nice. I I really want to see it before it leaves theaters. Yep, and I did look it up. It comes out on streaming i think like mid-june you'll be able to rent it so it's like mid-june you'll be able to get it on streaming on like uh, amazon uh but yeah i would highly recommend it's got a short round in it oh um (laughs) which i didn't know because uh until i was reading about it seven yeah uh, but the guy that played Short Round apparently w- did some acting, like he did Short Round and Indiana Jones Temple of Dune. Then he was in the in the Goonies, yep. and then he did like uh, two, three other films, and then he just kind of stopped. It, like he couldn't find like any roles really. Yeah. Um. So this was like his first film back in twenty years. I mean, fair and enough. And I thought he was great in it. I thought he was really good in it. His name is, uh, I'm going to butcher this, but it's like uh, Kei Huey Kwan. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I thought he was great in it. Um, who else is it got? Uh, Michelle Yeoh. Um, it's got uh, James Hong in okay. it. Jamie Lee Curtis. Nice. Um, I should. Yeah. It's produced by the Russo brothers. Ooh. And then, and then directed by uh, the Daniels. It's directed by the Daniels, who did uh, Swiss Army Man. So you know, just based off that, it's going to be a little weird. Um, yeah, cool. it's quite good. Gets into nihilism, which is amazing. I love it. Um, but yeah, no. So that's my first recommend, and then my second recommend is another film that I saw uh recently this one's an older film but i saw the adjustment bureau with uh matt damon came out in like 2011 what did you think of that enjoyed it i thought the premise was quite interesting what what is that one which uh, i just looked it up now and i did not realize this was based on a novel by philip k dick um but basically it's about this like kind of secret secret organization that adjusts things according to their plan and they basically have been guiding humanity since the beginning they've oh. taken breaks they they like stepped away cuz they're like all right we 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 guided you and now you guys can handle this yourself and then the dark ages handed ha- happened and they're like ah oh, maybe not okay and then they step back in and then they're like all right now you guys got this and then world war 1 and 2 happened so then they're like nope you guys can't like handle this yourself uh and so it's about matt damon encountering them and stuff like that and i don't i won't get too much into it but yeah it's got it's got uh matt damon emily blunt anthony mackie uh 
It yeah. reminds me of a premise-wise in Cal. I know we talked about it a little bit before, like oh, ages ago. But um, the Doom Patrol. How far into that did you get, Calvin? I never watched it. Okay, well, in Doom Patrol, there's the no- the um, Normalcy Bureau. <laughs> I think, or like the Bureau of Normalcy, and their whole thing is to keep life and existence normal and unweird. Nice. nice. Dude, it's been, I saw that movie. It's probably oh, seven years ago, maybe. Like, I watched it with my family. I don't remember a whole lot about it, but I do remember, like, it's kind of fun. It is, it's definitely an interesting idea. Um, it is. I, I, I don't think it's like an amazing film, but I quite enjoyed it. I thought the premise was really interesting. I thought it was pretty well executed. Um, I thought it was. Yeah, I just thought it was just a solid, well-executed film. Solid acting. Yeah. Nice. Cool deal. What do you got, James? I have got a movie as well I watched recently. It's called... (laughs) (laughs) We are, once again, not a movie podcast, but... Never. It's called um, The Red Circle or Le Circle Rouge. Um is a like a french crime film from like i think it's from like the early 70s um just really quick look it up what was the title yep zero 1970 the red circle and it basically just follows a kind of a former criminal who who gets out of jail and he basically spends his time while he's free, uh, kind of collecting uh, a bunch of different people to do like one last heist. Um, one last but the movie job. is it, it's it's less like about um, the it's less about the plot because there's not there there is like there are like some story beats that kind of happen and it it, it is one of those things where it's like you definitely should pay attention because there are certain thematic elements that come out. But this movie is definitely more, I think, like a visual thing. Um, I really, it just looks really good. A lot of long shots, like tracking our character. There's a lot of really quiet scenes. Um, there's uh, there's just a really nice kind of, like, it, this is a very, like, banal word to use. But there's a very nice just kind of, like, atmosphere with the whole film. It's, it's very, like... Um, I don't know it, it it because it's so quiet oftentimes like it, it just feels like you can kind of walk right into it and just kind of sit with it and just kind of watch see where it goes um there's some pretty cool there are some pretty cool like little plot twists and developments it's always really fun to watch kind of older movies uh it's always fun to watch people shooting in france especially in paris always love watching them run around those buildings those <laughs> old buildings really cool really fun but yeah, overall, um, really interesting. I will say, watching movies like this will you if you are in any way familiar with like Martin Scorsese, you will immediately see where he got some of his like, uh, cinema like cinematographic techniques from because the, the like these types of films are where he kind of drew a lot of inspiration for how he shot 
tone and, and not solely but like it's very they very clearly had an influence and this is one of those films where it's like oh man some i feel like i'm almost watching like it feels like a shot from goodfellas almost uh, um but uh it's really cool so the red circle i would i'd recommend that before i get to my recommendation i want to say that the way you described that film made me imagine a film because obviously like if you're gonna pull off one last job you got to get a crew together and the yeah. entire film is just the getting the crew together and the journey of getting these people together and the interactions and overcoming their interpersonal struggles and disagreements to then find, like, with the last shot being them, like, stepping out of a van to go do the job. But it doesn't matter what the job is. It doesn't matter if they complete the job or not. They grew as people. Oh, yeah, this this movie is not that. No. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, like, this, this movie... Um... I will say watch it. Uh, this movie will throw you, um, definitely. Uh, like, this movie is not that. Um, there's very much, yeah. All right. Well, I won't say anything else, but it, it's, let's say again, it's it's very atmospheric, it's very slow. Pop yourself a bottle of wine. Um, <laughs> and enjoy, enjoy the nice French uh, aesthetic and uh, just see where it takes you. Cool. My recommendation this week is a movie. Hey. Uh, I watched Operation Mincemeat on Netflix. Oh, yeah. I It was pretty good. It was a little... I, I wound up breaking it up into, like, two sittings. Just because, like, life happened and whatnot. So, I, I don't know if that impacted my enjoyment in any way. But the... It's the story of a World War II operation to dissuade Germany, to, to basically trick Germany into believing that Britain was going to land in Greece rather than Italy. Okay. And in doing so, they take a play out of a literal, like, dossier about different spycraft methods to spread misinformation, one of which being a dead body washes up on shore whole, containing, like, with a briefcase of documents. As written, as added to the dossier by Ian Fleming, a.k.a. the author of James Bond. And so, like, I, I think they could have downplayed the Ian Fleming aspect a little bit in the description, because they made it seem like, oh, he's gonna be along for the ride, and he is, but he's in, like, as a character, he's in, like, three scenes. A couple more, but he's not really, like, a main character. Um, but the rest of it is the story of these, like, two military guys who are, kind of got backburnered from their different units, one for age and one for not being able to serve in the Air Force, as they try and make Operation Mincemeat happen. And it's a process that, like, they gotta find a dead body, and then they gotta find a dead body they can pass as a drowning and make sure it doesn't decon decay before they can put the operation into motion. And they gotta build the backstory for him of who he was as a person. And once, like, they the complications they run into with this plan and the human complications of, oh, the in trying to key, give this guy a realistic backstory, he needs a girlfriend. And the lady we asked to use her photo of for the girlfriend, um, oh... Oops, now both the main dudes are kind of into her, and they're doing their things, but she doesn't end up with either of them in the end, but that's okay. And Spoilers. Yeah, whatever. Fight me. Uh, but that was one of the, the, the only reason I spoil it is because it's one of the things that probably irked me the most was like, hey, I'm enjoying this film the way it is. 
You did not need to shoot. It kind of felt like you were shoehorning in this love triangle. But other than that, it was real, real enjoyable. And yeah, spoiler alert: the... they managed to trick Germany. What? <laughs> they won the war. Yeah. What? Dude, see that coming? Uh, I mean, but they worked so hard. <laughs> the Germans work so you know what? One of these days we should just give it. I mean, I'm starting to feel bad, you guys. <laughs> to... you know, please, James. Anything worth doing is worth doing thrice. It's true. You're that Germany. Whoa now. This is gonna be yeah, like people... the Russia episode we had like a month two months ago, where we joked about Russia and then the next day it was, oh, Russia invades. <laughs> Tomorrow yeah. the headline is gonna be Germany invades. <laughs> And that one, that went great for them. So I'm, you know, <laughs> how embarrassing. I don't even want to get into that. I'll go on like a fucking twenty. That's not. And... Yeah, no, no. no. <laughs> um, but yeah, Operation Mincemeat, which only was like released to the public like twenty five years ago. Yeah. Uh, same thing with the whole uh, fact that the British cracked the Enigma machine. That didn't come out until like the nineties, I think. Yeah. Which, did I talk about that movie? Pretty sure I did. I, I talked about that one. I did watch it after you talked about Imitation it. Imitation Game? Yeah. yeah, it's really good. Real good. Real sad. Real good. Yeah. Well, our next segment, How to Be a Better Buddy, where we give some real and some humorous advice. Our first question, whenever I pick up my friend, he sits in the back seat and it's embarrassing. How do I get him to stop? Uh, that's not your friend. That's your employer. You're a chauffeur. Yeah, really. Ask for a good tip. Get a two-seater car. Get a one-seater car. Okay, a bicycle. Get a motorcycle. Oh. Maybe he just feels. Maybe he feels like embarrassed about sitting in about front. You? Maybe he feels. Yeah, maybe he feels like. Maybe he feels like. Uh, if he's like, what if? He feels like it would make you uncomfortable if he sat in the front. Maybe this is them telling you that you're a terrible driver and sitting up front terrifies them, so they have to sit in back. Real answer, car sickness. I find... I feel like everything, everybody that I've encountered with car sickness, it's, it's better to sit in the front than the back. That's what I've heard too, but uh, that's the best answer I got. That's a real one. Because I get car sick in the back seat. I have to sit up front. I do you get, dude? I don't know if I've ever gotten car sick. I never got car sick until uh, I got one week. I can tell you, like it was like the first week of March in like 2017. Mm-hmm. I got a headache that was the wor- single worst headache of my life. It lasted for like a week, and ever since then, I get headaches and I get car sick and motion sick. I probably means I have like a brain tumor, but I'm mm. not dead yet. And that was five years ago, so... You got another five. Probably fine. That or I had, like, some sort of brain hemorrhage, and it's, like, after effects. But, yeah, I only very recently started getting car sick, and it sucks. I hate it. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, either get a motorcycle with a sidecar so your friend has to sit next to you. There you go. Or um, just start demanding payment for services rendered. And you're not an Uber, so don't provide him any free water or gum. Absolutely. Our next question. If you sag your pants, why? 
With the further details, I know most no longer do it, however I still see it at least twice a day and I don't get it. I could understand it being one of those off trends in the early 2000s, but it has yet to die out. Is it to combat swamp ass? Is it an aesthetic thing? Help. Yeah, I've never understood it either, and it kind of annoys me. Like, do whatever you want for fashion, but that's like, I don't know, it just seems stupid to me. I Yeah, I don't really see... It's just such a hassle. It is... I don't, it looks I don't... annoying because everyone that I see that does it, they're constantly pulling it back up slightly and like readjusting the where it sags to. So it's like that just seems annoying for one, and then it just doesn't look comfortable. I think also, it's like, like a, the risk of getting pantsed. Oh, it's like a yeah. it's like a subconscious like dominance thing because you can basically almost have your dick out. Is that know? what it is? I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think it's like a subconscious. Like, I'm not saying that. I don't think somebody's like sagging their pants because they're like, yeah, my dick's almost going to be out. Unless they're <laughs> like a few sociopaths. But like, I think most of them are doing because it's like, fuck, yeah, dude, I look fucking fucking cool or whatever. But I think the real reason is like, is like, it's like a subconscious. Like, it's like peacocking quite literally. I buy that. Online. I buy that. Yeah. It's, it's the theory. best explanation I've ever heard. It's, I think it's the only explanation I've ever heard, so... Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I... That is, like, the one thing that is just, like, I think is just incredibly dumb-looking. You I know just... what you do. Here's what you do about it. So, there's still some left in stores. You might have to look a little kind of hard, but get a kid's Spider-Man web shooter because they are just loaded with silly string. And whenever you see it, you just spray silly string at those people. <laughs> so they have to go change their pants. You can just pick silly string off. But, okay, well. Also, those people are just going to turn around and beat the crap out of you. But you have this advantage of silly string. <laughs> okay, RJ, you do that. We'll, our, James and I will stand by and watch, <laughs> and we'll take notes. I'll just put yeah. up a sign that says they ask me to. <laughs> Like Looney Tunes, like a yeah, like a like a uh, wily coyote. I'll just have a sign like help. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Flip it you over. You know that is no, true. That is true. Please. If you do that, if you do that to someone with their pants down, they're not going to be able to catch you because they're going to trip over their own pants. Yeah, yeah. But they'll definitely. I mean, you better hope that they don't fig- either figure out a way to catch you or find a way out of their pants because they will cut. They'll fucking. <laughs> or they will here's the worst happy. option. They also have silly string, which means they're also long range. Oh, means um, they can play you. Yeah, or they just have a gun and they shoot you. No, please. No one has that. What, in broad daylight? It's <laughs> RJ going around pantsing people on like street corners <laughs> at like midnight. <laughs> we live at in America. Point, we only use prank and joke based warfare. This is true. This is true. We're, I mean, we're a very. Did you hear about um, the flood of water pistols that destroyed Chicago? No. Yeah, it was and, awful. Like the <laughs> clown on clown violence was everywhere. Yeah, uh, you, that that joke kind of fell. <laughs> yeah, it's right. it, it had wings for all of like five seconds, just like the Wright brothers. Oh, hey, they had wings for a little bit longer, didn't they? No, but they the actually managed one. to take off. Hey, there we go. 
so it's okay. It's a hey, not everyone's a winner, you know what I mean? Not every not somebody has to lose, be. and that loser was me. We're moving on. Oh, I don't mean everyone is in people. I mean just a joke. You know, you'll get it, RJ. You'll you'll hit one out of the park someday. I mean, <laughs> episode one thirty three. Yeah. I hope I get one eventually. We have before sheer numbers It'll game. Happen. Yeah. All right, next question, and I think this is one we can answer pretty easily. How do you achieve yeah. Nirvana? Hmm. First, um, start a band. Two, smell like Teen hey, Spirit. Hey, hey, hey. See, now that one wasn't too bad. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> That's actually not a bad. That's not a bad setup and punchline. I definitely um, did not think of that one ahead of time. <laughs> uh, oh no, it's fine. It's hey, it still counts. Um, how do you achieve Nirvana? Um, Sit I think under you a have tree for seven days. Yeah. Don't eat I think anything. He, oh, yeah, well, that did he attain Nirvana or did he just attain enlightenment? He attained yeah. enlightenment, which allows you to then attain, attain Nirvana. Nirvana. I think, like, uh, I, I rewatched Caddyshack last night, and there um, there's a great bit where uh, hold on, nice. Bill, have you guys seen? I know no. the line you're about to say with the Dalai Lama, yeah, yeah, um, I know the line, I've never seen it though. What's the line? Uh, I don't know it word for word. James is looking at Can I say something else that keeps James from saying the line? <laughs> uh, if you want to. Um, but, okay, so Bill Murray is talking to this. Do you mind if I read this out? I'm going to set this up really quick. Um, make it fast. Go for all it. All right. So so Bill Murray is talking to this one like young caddy, and Bill Murray is this kind of like, he's like a totally fucking nuts like a groundskeeper. He's just like really out there. And he's talking to this one. He's clearly cornered this like younger, like, 15 year old like caddy um on the golf course and he's just like telling him the story about him meeting the dalai lama um after getting out of like tibet and he's uh he was caddying for him so he was helping him uh you know uh, on the golf course yeah and he says uh about heading for the dalai lama he says uh so we finished the 18th hole and he's gonna stiff me he's not gonna pay me and i say hey lama hey how, how about a little something you know for the effort you know he says, oh, uh, there won't be any money, but when you die on your deathbed, you will receive total consciousness. Well, I got that going for me, which is nice. <laughs> uh, yeah. And Bill Murray's, Bill Murray's delivery on it is pretty it, spot on. It's so yeah. good. I, I can't do it justice, but just the quote alone is like so fucking good. Um, and that, I think, is like, I think that's how you. I think that's how so you. So the key nirvana. to reaching Nirvana is to caddy for the Dalai Lama. Live like you're dead, baby. Wait. That old fucking bad tattoo. What? What do you mean? What? Okay. What? Uh, James, I think this question applies to this interaction just now. Um, what okay, to do when a friend tells you we're on different intellectual levels? With the further details, a friend I've known for a few years recently told me that he and I are on different intellectual levels. Further, he told me, haven't you noticed that the smart kids in school hung out with the other smart kids? Parentheses, I was never smart in school, all my grades being average. End parentheses. Wait, so he said the smart kids hung out with other smart kids, but then he also admits that they're both friends and they hung out in high school. So his friend told him that so the if smart he kids said, hung out with other smart kids. But yeah, the friend is also he, hanging out with him. But 
him. So if he's saying that there, he didn't hang out with the smart kids, but he he's calling himself an idiot then. Functionally. Which proves that he's not. So I'm sorry. You're right. You're not on the intellectual level of the smart kid, but it sounds like your friend's not either. Or I just don't. Yeah. Counterpoint. They're both on the same intellectual level because the friend knows he must be an idiot for hanging out with this kid, which means he's not an idiot. And this kid recognizes it, which means he's also not an idiot. Nailed it. <laughs> yes, I think I think worrying. Yes. I think worrying yes. about whether or not you're on different intellectual levels and that qualifies you as friends is like worrying about whether or not because somebody's a different height that. Uh... Well, you wanted to I talk, think... James, about height. Like hey. I was with you until you brought up height. That was like the one thing you of all people can't bring up. I would not be friends with somebody because they were taller than me or oh, shorter. Friends. That's fucking stupid. What do you mean? No, I give that. To, I, I'll give it. I'll give it to James that he would he, that he's not going to not be friends with someone. He's just going to always bring it up. Is the thing. I might be neurotic. neurotic, but I'm not. I, I may be neurotic, but I'm not an asshole. Yeah. Hey. Oh. Uh, yeah. Well, I think for in a slightly more serious take on this, I think there is a difference between like let's just say raw intelligence meaning whether book learning, street learning, whatever, right? Like, knowledge on topics and an unwillingness to discuss or engage with things and just dismissing things out of hand, whether it's because, oh, that's too smart or that's not worth talking about, like, the, the dismissiveness, right? I, I'm, for the most part, I'm open to talk to anybody. Like, I, I don't consider myself, the, I try to avoid being the smartest person in any room, and I've very rarely met anybody who, even if I did think like, oh, we don't, you're, you don't have the same knowledge that I do, for the most part, I still enjoy talking with people because they either know different things or like they're willing to engage in the topic or engage in a topic of anything. But every so often, there is somebody who just like, I find so hard to converse with because they either are just like, dismissive of it because it's too smart or they're dismissive of it because like ah that's that's dumb i don't want to talk about like i'm not gonna like they just shut it down and it's like okay but what how do you live your life with no base desire to learn or engage on anything ignorance is bliss ignorance is also annoying as hell (laughs) Agree. Only I if think, you're only if you're aware of your ignorance. I I do think there's there's some people where it's like uh, do you th- I do think it can be ignorance where it's just like a I won't even say a natural but it's almost sort of a reflexive a compulsion to uh like er- like anti compulsion to like quote unquote like intellectual activity. But do you think with some people, maybe they're just at a certain core level, like, untent enough, they just don't feel like they need to... We're talking about, like, a very specific type of person here. Yeah. They don't feel the need to kind of, like, go into that kind of stuff, you know? Um, which is, like, totally fine. It just means that, like, you guys aren't gonna you know, act necessarily on the same level, but that's... I think... That's less a problem of intellect and more just a problem. Not even a problem. It's just a difference of sort of uh, interests. No, 
interests. Yeah, like where you guys are going, sort of general arcs. Yeah, I don't know. Our last question this week. We got time for this one more. Yeah. What's the one thing schools can do for boys? With the further details, in your experience, what is the one thing schools should consider doing to improve academic outcomes for boys? Uh, I vote consequences for their actions. What? Yeah. Surprise. No, obviously the thing they need to focus on is making sure that the girls cover their shoulders. Everyone knows <laughs> shoulders are just like yep. that is the gateway to the devil. It started like, with I go, the come on. Yeah. I go wild, dude. I go wild. I think we should put all women in, in burkas or whatever. <laughs> I think it should be. Oh, I thought you were gonna say boxes, just like <laughs> there's some little yeah. wheel there are little like wheel boxes with slits to no, see out like, of. Cardboard boxes like Solid Snake, and all, they all have to sneak around like that. The implication <laughs> that they have bodies. I want to do that. <laughs> that could actually be really funny. <laughs> bunch of guys going to school, and it's just they have to walk through the halls like. Walking yeah, around you just see a bunch of boxes scooting around the hallway. <laughs> hey, did you see Mary's box this week? Good. Damn, dude, we're not supposed to talk about that. No, that no, I I, I think. Uh, for the boys, um, uh, man, I don't know. Um, I mean, I could talk more about consequences if you want. I got a whole rant queued up. Yeah. yeah no, I feel like it. that's a pretty solid one. Is the whole like actually more consequences for your actions to an extent? I don't know. Yeah. I. I yeah. Like, I get it. Yeah. We we want students to succeed, and we want to give them every option, and the focus is learning the material. But, schools are also environments for learning more than just book learning. They're also social environments where you learn social norms and stratagems. And... Stratagems. You, yeah, stratagems. And you learn things like personal responsibility and personal management and those sorts of things in a much more controlled, gentle environment compared to the real-world consequences of tax evasion and <laughs> uh, murder. Like, and I feel like that's a house. bit of a escalation, but... <laughs> Fair, but also I think it's, you know, worth noting that if you don't learn personal responsibility in the one environment, you'll have to learn it in the other, and the other has much more consequences for that. I just think, I think especially too, and I don't think this is an extra, this isn't necessarily just for like young men, but like, I think a lot of the times what happens, like it's good to, it's good to have like a system of discipline or correction, but there also needs to be like system of, it, you can't give somebody their like life's passion or their purpose. Like they have to find that on their own, but there is no attempt outside of like the very like worthwhile valuable um efforts made by like certain teachers there I, there is rarely an attempt overarchingly by the educational system to actually like actually deliver a kind of like inspiration or like even an area for students to sort of develop like, any time or space for them to truly 
try to parse out when, like you're saying, they have kind of a relatively safe area to do it, like what they want to do and what they don't. Like we, we literally, we push these kids through 12 years of schooling. And then, yeah. Do you genuinely, genuinely believe the majority of high schoolers would use that time or space to just to explore their passions, interests, and what they want to do after high school, or are they going to use it to sleep in study hall? I think proper motivation, like I think a realignment of the like core values of the educational system would necessitate a change in the overall structure, which would mean that potentially those problems like burnout, fatigue, I'm not saying they won't exist. I'm saying is that they'll be like reduced potentially Fair. and the students will have a reason, an intrinsic reason to like, basically you want to give the students the capacity to kind of discover these things on their own. And the school doesn't, the school does not do that for you. School teaches you how to operate in a very specific, like confined set of parameters, which like you said, I do not exist in the real world um, at all. Like it, you are like live kind of your life in this little like it's enclosure. Like and then bumpers. Is you're gonna knock down yeah. some pins, but uh, I, I if you trust those bumpers to get you through to the other side, the minute they take those away, you're fucked. You are and like I like I remember like I compared the feeling to like it'd be like like you lived your life in this like kind of little enclosure and you knew it was an enclosure you knew that there was a bigger space up there but it wasn't until like they actually kind of gently like nudged you out and then locked the gate behind you and it was like yeah you're not coming back in here <laughs> like that's over like you realize that now you're all kind of like alone in this giant field except that you're giant like, field is now college and has a slightly larger field. With a larger pen, oh. and most people uh, don't realize that oh, there's a pen beyond that that we have to go to still. That's what I'm talking. I'm even. I was talking about even past college. Like no. like college is very much like you no know, college is very much like that secondary that that in between step. But like getting out into the real world where it's like oh my god, like like working any kind of job basically, absence of like school. And I don't mean like something like you do, yeah. RJ, because you know. It, but I'm talking more like, you know, like just working any job um, where you have to like support yourself and I've stuff like that. Job. It's like, oh, I spent yeah. a year working no. a job. No, but I mean, yeah, I mean like, um, like a, like a, like a real job in an a office. A real job. Cause I did yeah, that for no, a year. I, no, I'm not talking, I'm, I'm trying to, like, I'm not saying, I'm saying like when you're not in school anymore. You are doing that right now. You are working a real job. Again, because you're I not... did that for a year after undergrad. <laughs> you really? Yes. I worked out in Mad in, uh, in the city. Oh, I totally forgot. Yeah, so you know. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm being fucking stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, so you know. So no, like, real job, RJ. Yeah, digging ditches and blowing up uh, whatever. Um, no, but... Uh, yeah long story short like i think the best thing we could do is just try and try and deliver like a mechanism of like purpose or giving people like the opportunity to actually try and parse out what they want to do instead of just like basically esthetizing them and saying like oh don't worry about it oh don't worry about it you'll figure it out you'll figure it out and well never giving them the time or the space or the breath to do so um, and then what when are they against for Oh I hate that argument so much, Arthur. I hate that argument so much. 
Um, I knew it did your buttons. I won't go off because I've already been talking for so long, but I hate that argument. <laughs> I hate it. I hate um, it. I hate it. Kids have like yeah. 12 hours a day every day to figure that out while they're sleeping. Yeah, I forgot. Fuck. I should just yeah, You dedicate. guys slept when you were going to school? Yes. We know you oh. didn't. No, I yeah. did. I just well, did it. You at slept school. Well in school. That's yes. different. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why do the teachers not like me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. I sleep in every class. I I I the only I didn't, class. I didn't sleep in English class, which yeah, okay. weirdly was the one that the teacher didn't like. She she was okay with me. Mm, that must be a, that's just must be a coincidence though. Well, no correlation here at all. I slept in one of those same classes too, Calvin. And the teacher liked me fine. Yeah, but you didn't sleep every day. <laughs> no, but the one time I... The most distinctive memory I have is waking dead awake out of, like, fully asleep just as a question was asked, and I answered I think, it. I think I think the difference, RJ, is it happening once as opposed to it being a oh, consistent oh, thing. <laughs> I remember I remember when we would meet in, like, the that, the, like... The, air, the main area. And, yeah, like the lunch we met before area. school. The commons. School and at lunch. Yeah. And yeah. the commons, like sitting and talking and shit like that. And I remember always seeing like Calvin um, that year, like before that class. Be like, what'd you do, Cal, last night? He'd be like, you'd be like I was up to like three or four. <laughs> You're like, what were you doing? He's like, I was watching anime. <laughs> no, actually, that was before I started watching anime. Yeah, that was just YouTube time. That was just straight YouTube. <laughs> and then I'd be like, oh, hell yeah. And then like we get, you know, the bell ring. We go to class. I'd just just like out cold. Four, you were three, right two, next to me. Four. I'd turn. I, it was like clockwork. It was like. The bell would ring, and we'd all be sitting down. Within the first like two minutes, I'd turn, and Cal would. It's like I, I would be like leaned back in my chair against the wall, passed out. Yeah, yeah like so it's fucking... like super oh, obvious too. <laughs> I do remember sometimes because I think you'd sometimes use your uh, use use your binder as a pillow too. I think I you well, probably probably, probably not. It was probably more. I just fell forward, passed out. <laughs> I would have loved it if you just, uh, if if the teacher would have asked, like, Cal, what's in your, uh, if I see what's in, in your binder, you know, and you just open it, and it's just a pillow. So I, with all the paper, it got really hard, and I couldn't fall asleep that easy. So. <laughs> it's like a Zitz comic oh. strip. Yeah, yeah it, that is, yeah. That's pretty, no, it's classic. Hey, that was AP Euro, and I still got a three on the test. I'll take it. Uh, I'm pretty sure I got a four on the test. Yeah, but uh, you didn't sleep through the semester. <laughs> Calvin did that. No, I got that a three on that one. Never mind. He sunk all that stuff in. Uh, good times. Good yeah. Times. Yeah. Well, that brings us to another week. James, D-Pad, thank you for joining. Of course. Fair enough. Uh, thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use the song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off Yesterday. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify. You can find our podcast, Better Buddies, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. If you're paying for this podcast, don't. It's free. Um, don't get rid of my side hustle. 
Wait, are you collecting money on this? I'm over no. here with a $60 mic and you're collecting money on this? Hey, mister, you, you didn't you say that you made some money and you didn't we didn't see none of that? What? I thought you said you or you saw some money from this. No, never. No, see, he's lying to us now, James. This is I have sunk he's like three hundred dollars into this. <laughs> I'm I in the hole. Nah, I don't know. Seems yeah. suspicious. I promise I'm in the hole. Trust you for now. Um Trust. <laughs> Where was I? Oh right. You can also find us on social media. Facebook, Better Buddies, we have our meme Mondays and ask our icebreaker questions. On Twitter, at BetterBudCast, use the hashtag BetterBuddies when you tweet about the show. Or our Gmail account, BetterBuddiesCast at gmail.com. You can send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love and or war, icebreakers you want us to talk about, or questions you need advice on. And last, but not least, be a better buddy. It sounds like a fun experiment. You want to do it? <laughs> we try to match Churchill drink for drink. Send help. Oh my god. How many drinks is that in a day?